0: Good morning Friendship Baptist Church and it's a great privilege to be able to come to you today on this beautiful Sunday morning to proclaim the truth of the gospel to you and as we begin today uh, we're going to be back in our study of Genesis and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 23 as we continue to walk through this this book chapter by chapter and we're going to look at a very strange chapter, it's one that just doesn't really seem to fit with the rest of the story, but it is uh, oddly important to the broader story of the Old Testament and ultimately the New Testament, so I want us to look at this chapter today and understand what God would say to us through it. So I would like to start by reading Genesis chapter 23, and then I'll pray and we'll get into the sermon. In Genesis chapter 23, God's word says, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kirath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight the Hittites answered Abraham hear us my lord you are a prince of God among us bury your dead in the choicest of your tombs none of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites the people of the land and he said to them If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron the son of Zoar, that he may give to me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites of all who went in at the gate of his city, "No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead." Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, "But if you will, hear me. I give the price of the field accept it from me that I may bury my dead there Ephraim Ephron answered Abraham my lord listen to me a piece of land worth 400 400 shekels of silver what is that between you and me bury your dead Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites 400 shekels of silver according to the weights current among the merchants so the field of Ephron, in Machpelah which was to the east of Mamre the field with the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city after this Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah east of Mamre that is Hebron in the land of Canaan the field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites let's pray Heavenly Father we come to you on this beautiful Sunday morning to worship you to praise you for all that you do in our lives for the health that you give us for the prosperity that you give us for the love and the and the family that we have through your provision in our lives father we know that ultimately you have provided uh, an assurance a promise that will one day people be, fu- be fulfilled through the return of your son and the hope that he brings of resurrection and a new heavens and a new earth father as we wait for that may we be assured of that promise. May you instill in us the faith that is needed to hold on to that promise as we endure this world and its trials. Father, I pray that as I go through this sermon today that you would use it to bless those who hear, that they would come to know that that you are the Savior of the world and that you are ultimately the one who provides the true promised land that only faith can obtain. So Father, I pray that you would bless us as we go through this text. Bless me, give me the words to say that I might encourage and build up. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now I'm sure it's this way in most places, but it seems particularly here in the South, that we put a great deal of importance on land. I've heard plenty of stories of old timers who are who have fought over inches of a location of a property line. Like many of you, I grew up with the sayings about land, like they ain't making any more of it, or it's the only possession that you'll ever own that actually goes up in value, or I don't want to own all the land, just what borders me. If you farm the land, then sure, it makes sense that you would be a little particular about how much you have, Yet I think the value of land goes far deeper than just what we get out of it. Land gives us a sense of place, a sense of belonging. In many ways, it defines who we are. It is almost like we were made for the land, and the land was made for us. Yet I also find it interesting that, particularly in the Christian South, we also have a contradictory idea that this world doesn't really matter. In fact, we even sing songs that indicate that very thing, like the song that you might be thinking of immediately when I say that is, This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Because of philosophical influences that go much further back than we would even recognize, we tend to think that our bodies, the land, and this world are really just sinful, useless things that ultimately are going to be discarded. But even though we might say that we believe that, and even though we might sing songs about leaving this world, we can't escape the inner concern for our bodies and for the land. So if we have the time, we make all sorts of arrangements and all sorts of plans about when and where and how we will be buried. And if we have the time, we also make all sorts of plans and arrangements for the land and the property that we own, that it might be passed down to other members of our family so that it will, quote, stay in the family. I think that this basic inner desire reveals something about our created nature. Remember from the second chapter of Genesis, we find that, Ab- uh, that Adam was made from the ground. Now I pointed out when I preached through that text that the Hebrew word for ground there is Adama. So when you read, if you were to read that text in, in uh, Hebrew, it would read as though Adam was made from Adama. From the second chapter all the way through to the current chapter, we have found that man has placed, has, has wanted permanence. Even when God had cast him out of the land and had cursed the ground. Yet men built cities and towers to preserve a sense of permanence in the land. We even find in Genesis 12 and 15 that God intends to give Abraham land. In fact the promise of permanence in the land is as much a desire of Abraham's as his desire of for a son you could even say that they're wrapped up together because promise of a son ensured continuance and perseverance in the land as we've worked through the story of abraham we found that god has been faithful to his promise to give abraham a son in the last chapter we saw that abraham had come to be uh, faithful even to the point of being willing to sacrifice his own son because he believed God to the point that he believed that God would raise him from the dead. But there is still a major part of the promise that has not been fulfilled. Abraham has not received the land that he was promised. In fact, and this is a spoiler alert, Abraham won't receive the land before he dies. This is what makes Genesis chapter 23 such a strange passage. If you were just critically reading through the book of Genesis you might wonder why this passage is here at all it seems like it's out of place because yes it does tell us that Sarah died and that's in some ways important we might think but at the same time you would think that Moses could have just tacked that fact on to the end of chapter 22 or to the beginning of chapter 24 and we would have been just as well off as if we had had all of Genesis chapter 23. And yet I think chapter 23 is very important theologically. It reveals three truths that I want you to notice today. First, we find in verse 20 in, in verse 2 that Sarah died in the land of Canaan. In fact, she died in Hebron, which is where Uh, Abraham spent most of his time in the story this is most significantly the place where Abraham experienced God and spoke with God face to face in chapter 18 this is significant because it reveals that Abraham has been faithful not only in his willingness to sacrifice his only son Isaac but in his waiting for the promised land to be fulfilled Once again, Abraham models what true saving faith looks like. I've made the point before that faith is not the same thing as knowledge. We often equate faith with knowledge, as if knowing some facts about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus somehow saves us. But faith is believing that those facts mean something. Faith is believing a promise. Hebrews 11 1 says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen second Corinthians 5 7 says we live by faith and not by sight you see one does not have to believe facts facts are just that they're facts facts exist whether you believe them or not something is true whether you believe it or not but you do have to believe a promise Abraham believed the promise that God would give him a land and we must believe the promise that Jesus Christ will return and bring about the resurrection and the new heavens and earth second the rest of this chapter is effectively a deed for a field and a cave that Abraham would buy and I'll say more about Abraham's persistence in buying this field in just a bit, but we find in Abraham's negotiations with Ephron the Hittite that Abraham is unwilling to receive this land as a gift from this Hittite noble. Abraham has a habit of, re- of refusing significant gifts. Remember back in chapter 14, he refused the generosity of King so- uh, the king of Sodom after he had won a great victory for that king. Or that benefited that king the reason there is the same reason that he refuses this gift of land here he does not want anyone but God to gain the glory for the successes of his life now just imagine you can probably imagine what the descendants of Ephron would say when Jacob and Esau showed up to bury their father Isaac had Abraham received this land As a gift not only would they have sneered and and said things like they don't deserve to be here or they have no right to be here but they would have probably also said the only reason they're able to bury here is because of our grandfather or because of our father they would not have recognized the right of Abraham and his descendants to bury there but more importantly they would not have recognized the blessing that God had been and given to Abraham so that he could buy the land and bury his descendants there. Abraham wanted to be sure that no pagan could mock his descendants or even remove their bodies from this field because he was unfaithful in this one small thing. And he wanted to be sure that these same pagans would not be able to mock his God for the same reason. Lastly, We find that Abraham, for some reason, felt it absolutely necessary to bury his wife right here in the midst of pagan Hittite country. The obsession over this land goes even further than this one chapter, though. We find out later that Abraham, Isaac, and their wives were all buried in this same field. We also find that Jacob did something very similar with he and his sons. Jacob went out and bought a field like his grandfather and was buried there. We even find as far away as Joshua twenty three thirty two that the Israelites own uh, that the Israelites once they had conquered the land of Israel the the Can- the land of Canaan they brought the body of Joseph from Egypt and buried him in the field that Jacob his great his father had purchased why is this land this land of canaan and particularly this land around hebron and and around shechem why is this land so important why does it matter where all of these patriarchs were buried we get a little hint that connects us to a much broader stream in hebrews eleven twenty two, 22 which says By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Of all of the great acts of faith that Joseph did, and you could think of plenty from that story, great acts of faith that Joseph did, this one little fact is the one thing that the writer of Hebrews chooses to point out and to hold up as evidence of Joseph's faith. And I think he does so for the same reason that Genesis chapter 23 is included in the story of Abraham's life. You see, like his great-grandfather Abraham, Joseph believed that the promise of God did not end in his death. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph had to be buried in the promised land even though they had not received it yet because they believed something greater was coming. You see, just as Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead, he believed that God would one day raise him from the dead as well to receive the promised land. As the writer of Hebrews said, Abraham looked forward to a city that was built by God, and he believed that, that, uh, that he would see that city in the new heavens and the new earth. But you know that like Sarah Abraham died and was buried in that Hittite cave his sons also died and were buried and yes Israel would eventually inherit the land but they couldn't keep it sin and death continued to reign from Abraham to Moses to David all the way through the exile but when it seemed like the hope of promise was as far away as it could be Jesus came to the descendants of Abraham who were in captivity to Rome his central claim was that he was the source of true life and that the one who believed in him would not taste death he even said in John 8 58 uh, John 8 57 I'm sorry John 8:56. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. But instead of believing in him, his own people turned him over to their Roman oppressors to be executed by crucifixion. Yet because he is truly the source of eternal life, the grave could not keep him, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. So now anyone who believes in him Has eternal life. That does not just mean that we have purpose in this life. You see, faith in Christ is not just about this life. It is not just about having uh, a good feeling about who you are and what you do. Faith in Christ is literally faith in the promise that he will one day return and cause us to rise as well. And not only that, it is faith that, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, anyone else who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will rise again and receive the inheritance of a promised land. And that promised land will be the promise of a new heavens and a new earth, a a place where God will dwell with his people for all of eternity where heaven and earth are now one friend so often we want good things for our own sinful ends there's been so much pain and suffering and even death that have been brought about by this longing for permanence and this longing for land so many people have fought over where a landline is where a corner is, what, who gets what from their grandmother's possessions, what they gain from their inheritance. So many people split families over the idea of permanence and holding on to the things of our past and this idea of a promised land. And while those things, those desires, and those ang- that anger and that reaction is sinful, yet I think what it reveals in our hearts is what God has created us for. God has created us for a promised land. Eden was a promised land. Israel was a promised land, but it was all a foreshadowing of that great promised land that was to come, a promised land where God would dwell With his people forever and the way that we receive that promised land is not by fighting for it for ourselves it's not by eking away some little bit of land here in this world fighting tooth and nail for it so that we might lose it when we die the true promised land is that only which can be purchased by another that which is given to us as a gift by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I hope that if you haven't trusted in Christ, you recognize that that longing for permanence, that longing for a promised land is God-given, and it points to your need for a Savior. And I hope today that you will trust in Christ for your salvation. Brothers and sisters, Because of the Holy Spirit, we have a glimpse of that coming new creation even now. Yes, even now, we can take what little bit of land we have, what little bit of possessions that we have, and we can use it for the glory of God. We can use it as a foreshadowing of the coming promised land so that we can take our possessions. And we can use them to glorify God in the way that we use them. We can use them to glorify God in uh, what we give through them. And we can use them to glorify God in how loosely we hold them. And not only that, but we are encouraged, I believe, through this faith and uh, through this text and through the example of Abraham to patiently wait for the coming of Christ to patiently wait, knowing that what we do here does matter, does uh, linger in eternity. As Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures in this world, but store up for yourselves treasures uh, in heaven, where then either moth nor rust does does destroy. So, our uh, patient waiting here is a patient waiting that carries out a life of faithfulness, Living out our callings, living out our purpose in this world as we wait for that true promised land that only Jesus can bring. And we can faithfully testify before this lost and dying world of the hope that we have. We can testify that, yes, we we love our land, we love our possessions, we want them for the glory of God, but we hold them loosely. And that there are more important things than the things that we own. There's a kingdom that is coming. And that kingdom will ultimately be the promise of God fulfilled through His Son, Jesus Christ. I hope that you were blessed by the word that was preached. And I hope that you will go out and be a blessing to others as you take this word to a lost and dying world. God bless.